Well, God is good. And all the time. Oh, man, yes. As uh, Vinny shared, it, it has been a challenging morning. And, um, you know, it, it uh, kind of reminds me of, of this series that we're in in Ephesians, particularly through Ephesians 6, as we talk about spiritual warfare and, and how to respond to different things in our life. And, uh, you know, when we started this a couple of weeks ago, talking about spiritual warfare, I said, you know, we kind of have to guard against two two sort of extremes on the spectrum. One is where you just completely ignore spiritual warfare. You just kind of are oblivious and you just kind of bury your head in the sand about the devil and spiritual warfare. And the other sort of extreme is that, you know, the devil is behind every rock and bush. And, and you know, you're, you're out there and you almost start to live in fear and, and trepidation and all of that. And what we're trying to do is navigate this uh, really biblically, scripturally. And, and we understand the reality, according to Ephesians 6, uh, there is an enemy and there is spiritual warfare. But we always need to remember, okay, uh, we win. God wins, right? Uh, we are victorious. Uh, we remember in this spiritual conflict, it isn't 50-50, Right. The devil and his minions are created beings with limited powers. Ultimately, uh, in the providence and sovereignty of God, nothing will happen in my life and in your life that ultimately God does not allow. Amen. Okay, and and whether it's sourced from just the trials and tribulations of life or from the enemy, our great hope, our great peace, our great confidence is that God, our father, loves us. He is good and he is always in control. Amen. Sometimes when, if you, if you actually look at the, at the book of Job, think about that. Uh, the devil comes to God and, you know, they have this conversation about Job. And ultimately, if you read that, um, God allowed that. And really what it was about was Job's response. Right? The devil said, hey, if, I, if you allow me to touch him, here's how he's going to respond. And I think sometimes the lesson in that is, for whatever reason, God may allow something. Uh, the real challenge is how you and I respond. And it's our response that can grow us closer to the Lord in faith and maturity, or our response maybe can open us up to lies and deceits and temptations of the enemy, depending on how we choose to respond to whatever comes our way, um, not even knowing in our finite minds why it was allowed. But we do know as God's children, he is Abba Father. He desires our good. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We have everything we need for life and godliness. So really, uh, you know, we don't have to always figure out, well, why is this happening? Is this, this, this? You know, sometimes we're just not going to know. But what we do know is the character of God. What we do know is who we are in Christ. And what we do have control over is our response. Okay, so, so it's important to kind of keep grounded that way as we move through this, um, because there's a lot out there in the church, and again, um, you know, uh, it, it can be sort of a spooky, scary thing when you start talking about this, um, but you, this, the, that should drive you to even be, desire to be more rooted and more grounded in the Word of God regarding everything we have in Christ and who you are in Christ. Amen? Okay, so don't let, don't let this topic scare you away. It should scare you too. You should leave here more strengthened, more emboldened, more empowered as you're like, wow, okay, I get it, right? And so I'm hoping that through this, as we're looking through the pieces of armor, that you are actually week by week feeling a little bitter about yourself and who you are in Christ and what you've been given. Because a lot of times, 
I don't know, maybe we pick this up, or maybe sometimes uh, you read books or you hear things, and we sort of get this um, victim-martyr mentality about following Jesus. And it's a woe is me until I get to the pearly gates. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drag along and things are gonna happen. And you know, it's just gonna be horrible. And so we sort of get this defeatist mentality. When truth be known, if you're following through the armor of God, we've been given everything we need to walk victoriously, moment by moment. Amen? Okay, so, so even that, even that, right off the bat here, Think about how do you view your Christian walk? Is it I'm empowered, I'm equipped for victory, or woe is me, I got to pick up my cross and bear it? And, you know, it's just two radically different approaches to every single day. And that's why we've been talking about putting on the full armor every day, right? So, again, quick check. We've been doing this for like three weeks now. When you woke up this morning, did you consciously. Take a moment and say, Lord, thank you for the armor of God that you've given me. By faith, I'm going to put it on right now. Did you do that in the same way that you put on your, your physical clothes, right? And again, no guilt, no condemnation, just to check. Just to check. Did we get up and just start moving into the day, into our Sunday routine even, and kind of let down our guard because we were going to church and everyone's nice at church and, you know, everyone likes me at church, I hope, you know? And so sometimes we have this really view of church and we can let down our guard on a Sunday morning, uh, but you need, to, you need the full armor every day, okay? And so we're going to uh, read Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. These have been our, our core verses as we've begun our march uh, through the armor of God, okay? So it says this, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Remember, we talked about the the devil's schemes uniquely for each person. It's not a general scheming. He's not a general bad guy doing generally bad things. That word scheme means that there's unique schemes, strategies, uh, tactics for each person. Okay, he knows what pushes your buttons. He knows where your weak spots are. He knows your kryptonite, right? Okay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to believers in Ephesus and the surrounding regions, he doesn't go into some huge dissertation, some huge PhD thesis. He just says, hey, look, there's a reality of a spiritual war. There's a devil and the devil has an army and we're battling. He just kind of states the fact, okay? He doesn't dwell on it. He just says, you're in a war. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Everyone say whole. Okay, it's the whole thing. The whole armor of God that you may be able to, stand, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so important. Why do we put it on? So we can stand. That word stand, again, uh, dealt with the Roman sandals, had spikes, and the idea was standing firm, not giving an inch. You are ready. Okay? You're going to stand your ground. And then as a church, we stand our ground. We, we stand together, right? And, and we understood that uh, there's an urgency to it. It's like, do it now, right? And, and, and why? Because 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is serious, right? This is serious. Um, Warren Wiersbe says this, the danger on the battlefield is that we do not take the enemy seriously and therefore fail to put on all of the armor, right? And so, again, there's this seriousness Uh, there's this sort of sober truth that we're in a spiritual battle, and yet we don't run scared. But you understand there's a reality, a spiritual reality, uh, that we are in 24-7, 365. Okay, that's just reality. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, we looked at uh, the belt of truth. And just, again, a quick reminder, what's really important about the belt of truth, you see the picture there, the Roman soldier, is that the belt of truth holds it all together, central, okay? And as we go through this, I want to encourage you uh, to actually do sort of like a build, as if you were putting this on. You know, sometimes in churchdom, we hear something, and then come next Sunday, we kind of forget. This is actually a build. And what's important is that he starts with the belt of truth, because again, when you gird it, when you fasten it, it holds everything together. You can't like kind of just dismiss it and move on to the next piece. You need the belt of truth. We saw that the belt of truth is ultimately Jesus, who is the way, the truth. Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay, so at the core, putting on the belt of truth is Jesus. Ephesians 6, 14 in the New King James says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So that word girding, last Sunday we talked about girding. What does it mean to gird? Really, it just means be prepared. Be prepared. Wake up in the morning and gird yourself, which means prepare for action. Prepare for action. You know, we sometimes, honestly, we kind of get into routine. We, we slide into the morning. Anyone here, morning coffee? How many of you have reached the level of coffee pot on a timer waiting for you? Right, right, right. We just got there, right? And we can sort of, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with moving slowly into the day. You know, it takes me a while to get going. But at a certain point, we have to gird our minds. We have to click into prep mode. Okay, because if we don't, we're leaving ourselves open. Okay, so we we, we focused on that last week and and this week we're today we're going to focus. We're going to move forward to the next piece, which is called the breastplate of righteousness, also known as the heart protector. Okay, so Ephesians 614 again, it says, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of. Of righteousness, and there's a picture of a Roman soldier with his breastplate, usually um, from the neck down, right? Protects the torso, the vital organs, the heart, lungs, usually made of bronze, right? And the, the key, the key part that it protects is the heart, the heart, right? And, and it's interesting. Proverbs four twenty three in the NIV says this: Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if you think about that, right, in, in, in the Bible, when they refer to heart, it means that's the core of your being. That's the center of, of, of your life. Everything flows out of your heart. So the breastplate of righteousness is super important because it protects our heart. So we kind of got to know what that means, what it is, and how to use this, right? Because if everything in my life as a believer flows out of my heart, and this is designed to protect my heart, I got I to gotta know, 
I got to know what this breastplate's about. And, and in order to understand the breastplate of righteousness, you kind of got to ask yourself, do I even know what righteousness means? What is righteousness? How many of you have grown up in the church and heard the word righteousness? Right? Kind of like, and, and, and it's one of those big, kind of, kind of a big churchy word. And, and you know, you might hear it, I'm, oh, that person's self-righteous or you know, or some slag, oh, dude, righteous dude. You know, I mean, it's like this weird, like, word, and you kind of, it, it has to do with behavior, or does it have to do with behavior, or, or does it have to do with position? What is righteousness? Because it's called the breastplate of righteousness, designed to protect my heart, which is the core of my whole being. So we have to be kind of clear biblically on what is righteousness. What is righteousness, right? And, and just, uh, just to give you a simple definition, kind of help us understand righteousness. It, it's derived from a, a root word that means straightness. Kind of, it means conforming to a standard, okay? In general sense, righteousness means conforming to a standard. When you refer to righteousness in the Bible, God's character is the definition and source of all righteousness. It goes back to God's character. Okay, righteousness in biblical terms describes the righteousness acceptable to God and thus which is in keeping with what God is in his holy character. So there's two elements of righteousness that's very important for us. First and foremost, it comes out of his character, his holiness, his perfection. Right. But it also has to do with what's acceptable in his sight, measuring up to his standard of holiness. And this, if you're going to understand righteousness and really the power of this, we have to go back to the gospel, the meaning of the gospel. Okay, so, so you know, all you Bible scholars here, the word gospel means good news. Everyone say good news. Okay, so if we're going to understand good news and actually embrace it and celebrate good news, the truth is you got to understand the bad news. Right? Because, you know, how many of you have ever heard, hey, dude, I got some good news and some bad news. Which one do you want first? You ever hear that? Right? Which one do you want first? How many of you want the bad news first before the good news? How many want the good news first and then you brace for the bad news, right? Well, the gospel is good news. But in order to appreciate it and even to understand the breastplate of righteousness, we've got to kind of spend a little bit of time this morning on the bad news because it has to do really with our inability to measure up to God's standard of righteousness. Okay? If righteousness is ultimately rooted in the character of God, his holiness, and if righteousness means attaining a standard that's acceptable, because in in heaven there is nothing short of holiness and perfection. He's not going to allow anything in heaven short of matching his righteousness. So us humans on, on earth have to understand Okay, hmm, so what does that mean for me, right? Um, how many of you remember in school, or if you're in school now, how many of you had a class where uh, sometimes the teacher would grade on a straight scale, 90, 80, 70, 60, and sometimes the teacher would grade on a curve, how many, right? Okay. Quick survey, survey for you at home. How many of you preferred the straight scale? 
90, 80, 70, just right. How many of you preferred the curve? Okay, more on the curve, right? Why did you like the curve? Because it was based on the other people in the class. So when it's like a curve and you start looking around like, okay, I know that person doesn't study. I'm for sure better than that half of the class, right? So when a test is graded on the curve, what do we immediately do? Look at this way horizontally because we start comparing ourselves to others to see if we're going to get the grade based on not the straight scale, but on the curve based on how I do in relation to others in the class right? We kind of like that, right? Question, what's God's scale? It's not a curve, (laughs) thank you. It's not a curve, and it's not even straight. God's scale, based on what we know about righteousness, holy, 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 God's scale is perfection, One and done. Pass, fail. Pass, fail, one and done. And how do I know that? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things. Everyone say all written in the book of the law, and do them. So that verse says you're cursed if you don't follow every single thing 24-7, 365, written in the law. And God's standard is perfection, by the way, one and done, right? James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in, oh, that's a toughie, in one point has become guilty of all of it. Can we go back to the curve? (laughs) I mean, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. It's not even a straight scale. It's perfection 24-7, 365 as long as you're on this planet. That's the bad news. That's the bad news because... I don't measure up. Anyone else? Sin at least once in your life? If you don't raise your hand, you just sinned because you lied. Okay, so, so you're with me too. That's, that, that's a bit of an uncomfortable truth. And, and, and it, 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 it's not really spoken of much out there these days. But if we're going to appreciate the absolutely incredible good news, we have to go here. And we have to, we have to sort of, you know, I call it marinate in that. And I'll be honest with you, this, this was particularly challenging for me. Uh, I grew up going to church uh, in the Roman Catholic tradition. I did very well in school, played sports. I was a good around, uh, overall good kid. In fact, my, my friends uh, used to kid me and call me Richie Cunningham. I was like Mr. Clean Cut. I was like, hey, Richie Cunningham, you don't party. You don't do anything, Richie Cunningham. You know, they tried to make me feel bad for being a good kid, right? And so um, I go to college, and I meet some friends, and they start sharing the gospel. Romans 3.23, go 
Galatians 3, James 2.10. Man, oh man, did I get bent. I, I, I was offended. I was absolutely offended. They're telling me that I'm not good enough. And my first reaction was, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't steal. I don't do the biggies. You know, I'm a good person. I'm not hurting anyone. Right? And yet, they would just share this truth with me. And man, I had to, I had to wrestle with this because it challenged me at the core level of my perception of me as a good person. Good enough to get into heaven person. Okay? And, and they just shared the truth. We didn't get into huge debates. They just kind of shared and, and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit could do because, you know, I was pretty pig-headed, pretty stubborn, pretty defensive about this whole perfect, one-and-done, guilty of... I was like, whoa, dude, that's... A, huh. Right? And I struggled. And then they, they said, well, here's the good news, though, man. Here's the good news. If you can just accept the fact that there's no way in your human efforts you're going to attain to the righteousness of God that will allow you into the pearly gates, if you can just admit that, if you can just come to that place of humility and say, okay, Father, I throw myself on your mercy. I throw myself on the mercy of the court. I'm done. You got me. Busted. If you can just do that, you'll appreciate the good news. Because see, here's the good news, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Right? What does Philippians say? The Apostle Paul. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Here it is. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Amen? You see, I just had to get to the place of humility, accepting, you know, yeah, I have sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God that deal with that radical discomfort that there's no way I could be good enough to earn my way. And then the good news zings me. Well, then what do I do? Bro, just put your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you get his righteousness put to your account. And when God sees you, he lets you through the pearly gates, not based on your righteousness. You're in the pearly gates based on the righteousness of Jesus. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ simply by putting your faith in him. Amen? That's the good news. Bad news. One and done, helpless, hopeless, lost case. Nothing I could do good enough. Couldn't earn it, couldn't be good enough. Good news. Faith in Jesus, clothed in his righteousness. Amen? Amen. That's what we call positional righteousness. So if you're going to understand putting on the breastplate of righteousness every morning, you know what you got to do? You got to wake up and say, Father, thank you that I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Father, thank you that right now you are pleased with me. You couldn't be more pleased with me because you see me wrapped in the righteousness of your son. 
Now, that's kind of hard for us because how many of you tend to be your own worst critic? You keep score on what you, how bad you blew it today. Anyone? How many of you have already kept score for what you did wrong before you even got here? Right? And you're like, oh, and then the enemy comes in. The enemy is the accuser. Oh, see? See? That prayer you didn't really work, Amber. Shame, shame, shame. The enemy comes in, starts to get in your head about how bad you are and how horrible of a Christian you are. And real Christians wouldn't do that, say that, think that, drive like that, (laughs) buy that, watch that, listen to that. And you're just, oh my gosh, I'm horrible, right? And what are they, what, 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 they're getting in your head to get your eyes off being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Living freely in your position. So the first step in, in putting on the breastplate of righteousness every day is to thank God and celebrate that you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's, let's make this real. You're here, and if you're at home, just ponder this for a moment right now. As you sit here as a believer, God is as completely pleased with you as he ever could be because you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy because a lot of us grew up with critics and you don't measure up. And if only you could be as good as your brother or your sister or yada, 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 you know, and then all these conditionals. And suddenly you're sitting here as a believer and Father is smiling at you. And Father loves you. And Father couldn't be more pleased with you because he sees you in the righteousness of Jesus as you sit here. How many of you can just, everyone go, thank you. Because a lot of us as believers, y'all are like, like you're like constantly on edge, constantly like, anyone? Right, you get like, neck pains and you're like oh and you're like so scared of messing up and oh how many of you just need to relax that your heavenly father is smiling at you right now amen just smiling at you he loves you and when he looks at you he doesn't see your soiled garments he doesn't see your old stuff randy he sees jesus righteousness it's the devil that will throw your past at you But the Bible says he remembers your sin no more. The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. The Bible says we're to walk in newness of life. Right? So when you leave here, you should leave a little pep in your step. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right? You got to. You got to embrace this. You got to embrace this. It'll give you just this whole radical, deep sense of confidence, security, Power, if you'll just believe it. I can't force you to believe it, you know, and, and part of my journey in faith and maybe why I was called to ministry is some point in my life, all these light bulbs when I'm like, ah, I get it. <laughs> because I came from performance background. I came from a highly success, successful family in the world's eyes. I came from trying to measure up. I came from straight A since I was a seventh grader and got my first B in honors physics in in 12th grade and thought it was an F. It was so horrible. 
I've lived that perfection mindset. And to understand the good news of the gospel, that's simply putting my faith in Jesus and having his righteousness imputed to me, and God, my Father, being absolutely pleased with me, 24-7, 365, there's freedom, y'all. There's just freedom in that. And that's the core, that's the starting point for the breastplate of righteousness. You wake up every day and you say, on the authority of God's word, I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. On the authority of God's word, Father is pleased with me. Not in my own righteousness, on the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? Right? Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Thank God for experiences, but do not rely on them. You do not put on the breastplate of experiences. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why is that important? Because your experiences and your feelings change. One day you're on a spiritual high, right? You, you, you go to bed, you wake up this next morning, you're like, am I saved? Oh, oh. I... A lot of our Christianity these days is based on experiences and emotions and feelings. You've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the authority of God's word. Amen? Okay. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. That's a key verse for me. That set me free. I understood the good news and the bad news. It's not by works. Okay? It's a gift. And so before we move forward, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. If you haven't ever done that, if you're here or if you're at home, receive the gift of salvation. Maybe the curve and the straight scale the perfection, maybe you get it now. Maybe you understand the bad news, and now you celebrate the good news that's still offered to you. It really is, it really is that simple. Now, I'm not saying easy, but that hopefully brought clarity to you that at a certain point, you got to wave the white flag, admit that you're never going to be good enough, do good enough, earn it. Wave the white flag, rest in the finished work of Jesus. And by the authority of God's word, be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And every day, you have the privilege to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Like, if you had this piece of armor, like literally in your house, like how radically would it change if literally you would put it on? All right? I got a couple firefighters here, right? You put on the gear, changes you, right? You're ready. Right? You strap on, you get the gear, da, da, da. I'm ready to go it's on that call. Well, geez, if I had armor, how many of you, like, if you had a little physical armor, it would kind of change your mentality when you went to work? Now, your coworkers would probably trip out, but, you know, it's like, you would probably walk around like, yeah, that's right, breastplate of righteousness, <laughs> built to truth. Thank you very much, child of God, right? It would change your mentality. Just do that. It's true. It's that true. You just got to walk it. You got to live it. Okay? So that's positional righteousness. But it doesn't end there. Because there's a, what I call a practical side to righteousness. And if we read one more verse in Ephesians 2, we see this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so there's another part of a definition of righteous or righteousness, and it's this. To be righteous is to do what is right in God's eyes. God's commandments are righteousness. 
In contrast, lawlessness is sin, and sin is the opposite of righteousness. So to be righteous is simply to obey God's law of love. It's obedience. So here's how we put on, how, here's how this applies. I wake up, and I go, Lord, I'm just going to affirm my positional righteousness right now. I'm just going to celebrate it. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to put it on. And then, Lord, I'm going to choose right now this day to exercise practical righteousness, which means, Lord, I'm going to purpose right now to honor you and walk in obedience today. That's practical righteousness. That's walking out your door very tangibly, having made a very firm decision to exercise practical righteousness, to do what's right in God's eyes throughout the day for his glory. Amen? You got to understand that there's two parts to it, positional and practical. Okay? Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We're called to live righteously, which is what? Do what's right in God's eyes. Walk in faith and obedience. That's what it means to live righteously. Okay? There's a very practical side. Why? What's our motive? Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, when you appropriate positional righteousness, you then have this desire to go out and do what's right for the glory of God. I have a desire to glorify, to, to walk in righteousness, not to earn my way to heaven, but to glorify him out of love for what he did for me first. Amen? That's what it is. That's where righteousness becomes a catalyst for honoring him. It's no longer about self-righteousness, trying to earn my way, trying to be righteous in my own flesh. No. I celebrate positional. Now I want to go live practical righteousness, all for the glory of God. That's how you put it on. That makes it very tangible and very practical. Okay? Romans 6, 12 to 14. I shared this with the leadership team this morning. It says this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Good news. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. We are, according to this, to present our members, our lives, to God as instruments for righteousness. Now, that word instruments, not musical. In a general sense, instruments means tools. But in a specific sense, that word instruments in this passage is the Greek word hoplon. Hoplon means weapons. Weapons. Instruments of warfare. What this verse is saying is we are to present our lives to God as weapons for him to use in this spiritual warfare. Amen? See, when I choose to appropriate positional righteousness, and then I leave and saying, Lord, here I am in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to exercise practical righteousness. I am presenting myself to him as a weapon in his armory. 
That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, that applies to everybody here. Just by living righteous lives, just by walking in faith and obedience, you get to be considered a part of God's armory, a weapon he can use against the forces of evil on this planet. Amen? That's pretty cool, right? It's not just me up here and not just, you know, for the, for the really big dogs in the church. Every person, every believer, you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, I present myself to you as a weapon of righteousness. Use me today for kingdom purposes. That'll radically change your sense of purpose, meaning. And it's not a crazy thing. It's not like going out there with a bullhorn. And No, you know what it is? It's loving people, listening to people, having compassion, maybe sharing your faith, maybe sharing your testimony, maybe just loving people. It's, it's, it's the small things. Remember Jesus said, give someone a cup of cold water? There you go. Instrument of righteousness. Just being salt and light in your own personality, with your own giftings, in the own little worlds that God has planted you in. You can be an instrument of righteousness. Right? And I love that because... Uh, one of the things that I've, I've kind of picked up on uh, in the church, not necessarily this one, um, but in other churches as I've been in ministry for 30 years down in San Diego, sometimes, like I shared before, somewhere along the line in, in churchdom, we get this sort of um, idea that there's a big bad devil out there and we just have to take it. You know, he's like the big bully who steals my lunch money all, every day. Right? And you just have to deal with it. And you just kind of like have to be nice. And you can't be, you know, upset. And you're just this really nice Christian. And, you know, then you become really passive. And then you just become really sort of, okay, oh yeah, there's the bully devil. And, and you just get kicked around. And at a certain point, if you appropriate the breastplate of righteousness, you get to the place where you get to spiritually say, Enough. 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 I know that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I choose every day to walk in practical righteousness. Hey, devil, enough. I'm no longer a victim. I am empowered. I can say enough. Amen? Amen. I can say enough. I can say enough. Now, like you mean it, I can say enough. Enough. Oh, some of you are enough. I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying enough. Oh, if I say enough like I really mean it, the devil's really going to get mad at me and really make my life. Enough. Enough. Come on, say it like you are a child of God clothed in the breastplate of righteousness, and you are finally standing up for yourself, and you're looking the devil in the face, you say, enough! Yeah. There you go. <laughs> At a certain point, it's enough. That's who we are. That's who we are. We don't have to get kicked around. We're not, not the big bully that's going to steal your spiritual lunch money every day. You stand up, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and you say, enough. No. I choose obedience. I choose faith. I choose to honor God. Enough. 
Enough. You've bullied me enough. You told me I'm worthless long enough. You told me I would never get over this issue. Enough. I'm done with that lie. I'm done with buying into the deception. I'm done. Enough. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's the one word today. Someone here, someone home. Enough. And maybe like, I don't know, I'll be getting coffee in, 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 in Ojai to this week and I'll hear someone yell, enough. I'll be like, hey, we were at church on Sunday. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need to say it. Literally, I shared my story a little bit last Sunday. And I will tell you, sometimes when I, it gets heated and I get in my head and I'm trying to take every thought captive, I will literally say, enough. In my house. I will literally say enough or I'm driving and it starts to go and I get triggered and my mind is racing again. I will literally say enough. I'm done. I'm not going down that road anymore because I don't have to. I literally say enough. And I hope that maybe someone this morning, you feel freedom to say enough. Because you've put on the breastplate of righteousness. You're not saying enough in your own power. You're saying enough because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and you've been everything you need for life and godliness. You're a new creation. You've been born again. You have the power to say no to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin, which means enough. Enough. Right? Wayne Barber says this. When we live righteously conducting ourselves in conformity to the truth of who God is, what he has said and what he has done, our righteous life becomes a breastplate which, which protects our heart as we stand in the spiritual war we live in each day. I love that. When you and I choose practical righteousness, it's our breastplate. It protects our heart. It protects our heart. Just by choosing to honor God in obedience and faith, it protects our heart. Right? Because here's the thing. A lot of Christians, and even I'm going to say a lot of parents, and I'm a parent, I raised five kids. See, somehow or another, we bought in to this, this, this false emphasis that Christianity is all about no. No, you can't do this. No, you shouldn't do that. No, 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 no. When truth be known, what we really need to focus on is Yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to obedience. Yes to righteousness. Yes to who I am in Christ. You see the radical difference? If I focus on all the no, I'm going to end up committing the no because that's what I'm focusing on. If I focus on yes to Jesus, then I'm going to end up honoring him, loving him, wanting to walk in, in, in honesty and in righteousness because that's what I'm focusing on. So question this morning, are you more of a no, 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 no Christianity or a yes, yes, yes? Even as a parent, I wanted our kids not to grow up that Christianity is a bunch of no. No, we don't do this. No, we don't do that. No, no, no. What I wanted our kids to grow up learning was yes to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yes to the gospel. Yes to grace. Yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes to the righteousness of Christ. I wanted our kids to understand all the glorious yeses in the Bible. See the radical difference? But even as adults, a lot of us are still consumed with no, 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 no. 
How many of you are celebrating the yeses and who you are in Christ? Yes, my name is written in the book of life. Yes, Father is pleased with me. Yes, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Yes, I'm more than a conqueror. It's all there. All the yeses. You got to just change your focus. You just got to change your focus. Little help as we start to wrap up. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, okay? Another breastplate, really helpful. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I love this. You want to know, okay, how, do I, how else can I practically put on the breastplate of righteousness? Here you go. Faith and love. Purpose in your heart to walk by faith and demonstrate agape love. That's your breastplate. Those two things. Lord, today, I choose practical righteousness, which means I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to be a hearer and a doer, and I'm going to love people in the power of the Holy Spirit. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.8, that's your breastplate. Faith and love. Faith and love. How many of you could do faith and love? It doesn't, it's not being up here preaching and doing some big big thing for God. It's like, no, the course of my day, I purpose, I choose in the power of the Holy Spirit, faith and love. Faith and love. Isn't that cool? Just do that. Just do that. And, and, and this is where what I'm, what I'm hoping, and really the heart of today's message is that you have to take back ownership of your faith. You got to appropriate all that you have, all that you are, and walk in victory. You got to walk in victory. You got to be able to say, enough. (laughs) I tried. Bill, I tried. It was like this setup, you know, and they were supposed to just say, enough, right? But no. But you did. That was good. And I think think Brenda said, yeah, enough, right? Yeah. But... You have to get to a place where you say, enough. Enough. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? Like, seriously. We are beat down so much by so much happening in this culture right now. How many of you just in the culture wanted to yell, enough? Right? Right? You just, right? We're so beat down in so many ways. And the good news this morning is spiritually, you get to say, Enough. enough. That was pretty good. I wasn't even expecting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. That was pretty darn good. Uh, isn't that good? Because like we feel so oppressed, so put in a box, and just go sit over there. And it's so freeing to put on a breastplate of righteousness, walk out these doors with a bit of an attitude. It says enough, enough. I'm not a victim. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Enough. So I am, right? And so we focus not so much on saying no, but yes. We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to faith. We say yes to love. We say yes to being a new creation. We say yes to having everything we need for life and godliness. Isn't it good to say yes for a change? (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny like I'm watching you and you're like yes 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 
Where is that coming from? A world that says no, 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 no. And suddenly you're feeling something. I'm praying this to the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yes. Yes and amen. We need enough and we need yes. And where, where does that come from? What's our authority? The breastplate of righteousness. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And every day I can choose to walk out and honor God in practical righteousness. How do I do that? Faith and love. All in the power of the Holy Spirit. All for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Oh, Father, it's so good to celebrate, appropriate, believe, accept your truth about being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. How radical a thought that as we sit here in your presence, you are pleased with us, with me. Not of my own doing, but I have put my faith in Jesus. I am clothed in his righteousness, and you are pleased, and I am acceptable in your sight. And then, Father, we don't have to be victims. We don't have to be martyrs. We don't have to live defeated lives. Father, you have given us everything we need. We can choose righteousness. We can choose to honor you. We can choose faith. We can choose love. We can choose to say no to sin. All because of who we are in Christ. And so, Father, as we prepare for communion, I pray that this would be a glorious time, not just of remembering Jesus, but what what the implications are because we believe in Jesus. The implications for the breastplate of righteousness because we have put our faith in Jesus and are, are clothed in his righteousness. And so we take this time of communion, of reflection, remembering you, Jesus, eternally grateful, eternally loving you. And now our desire is to love you back by living righteous lives, all for your glory.